millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Little Atoms, a radio show about ideas and culture. With me, Neil Denny. This week, Julianne Pacheco on her debut novel, The Ant Hill. Julianne Pacheco grew up in Cali, Colombia. She is a graduate of both the MA and the PhD in Creative Writing at the University of East Anglia, where she currently teaches on a Creative Writing MA. She is the only writer to have two stories included in the 2015 anthology of the best British short stories, and her short fiction has been published by The New Yorker, among other publications. In 2017, Faber published her story collection, The Lucky Ones, and she was shortlisted for the Sunday Times Peters, Fraser and Dunlop Young Writer of the Year Award. Julianne's debut novel, The Ant Hill, is what we're going to be talking about today. Julianne, welcome to Little Atoms. Thank you so much for having me. Tell me, first of all, how you would describe this novel. I suppose I would describe this novel as a coming-of-age story, but I think I've always liked novels that sort of fit a lot of different stories or like a lot of different genres in them. So I know in the U.S. they were kind of marketing it as like a horror novel, um, and I think there's definitely elements of horror in there. But yeah, if I had to describe it in sort of like a simple soundbite, I would call it a coming of age story. So Lena or Carolina, who is, I guess we could say the main protagonist, the book is potentially told from different perspectives. But we'll talk about that perhaps a little more in a while. But she's our main protagonist. In the book, she's born in Colombia and comes to the UK after a tragedy at age eight to go to school, which sort of, without the tragedy, mirrors your own life a little bit. So what's the difference between your own experience in that? Oh, I mean, there's a lot of differences. Um, I mean, for starters, like I stayed in Colombia until I was 18, whereas, you know, the main character in the anthill, like she left when when she was a child. So I guess one of the main sort of threads in the book is her feeling of disconnection from her childhood home, which wasn't really like the experience for me. Like I would say that I feel like I sort of had a more consistent connection to Colombia than her simply because you know my sister still lives there my parents stayed there until 2012 but yeah but that was um something that I think just made her like interesting to me as a character like someone who 
felt disconnected from her homeland, I suppose. Because that's an, also like a big part of the story, like this idea of like coming home and kind of reconnecting with your past. And that's why, you know, a big part of the book deals with her, you know, reconnecting with her childhood best friend. Yeah, or at least attempting yeah. to sort of reconcile with the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and indeed, as you said, her struggles with her identity through the book as well, in that, you know, she's called Gringa by people in, in Colombia. And is she's constantly, it almost becomes like a sort of comic refrain through the book that she's constantly saying, actually, no, I'm from here as well. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's something that, I mean, that's what I think is sort of like what's interesting about writing fiction, where sometimes people will like, I mean, this especially kind of happens with my parents, like they don't seem to understand that like fiction is like you invent things, right? Um, So sometimes like I'll write something and I'll think like, oh, like when my parents will read this, they'll be like, when did you do this? Like, what were you thinking? You know? But yeah, I mean, there's obviously definitely you know, I think like most writers, you sort of take personal feelings or personal elements from your life and you sort of retranslate them or reconfigure them on the page. So I think that feeling of kind of like awkwardness of trying to constantly sort of explain your background, like, you know, it wasn't the same for me, but like that was something definitely based on, you know, on my experience of kind of living abroad, because, you know, sometimes people will ask me like where I'm from, and then I'll just say like, oh, I was born in England, or like my parents live in the in the US right now, simply because I don't want to get into this sort of really long explanation of that I lived in Colombia for so many years. But then that sometimes makes me feel bad, like I'm lying, or like I'm not telling the whole truth. So I mean, so yeah, so that feeling kind of awkwardness or discomfort is like definitely a personal one for me, I would say. Tell us something more about Lena, who is she? So she's a young woman who in the opening pages of the book has come back to Medellin, the city where she was born, the city where she was from. Yeah, I mean, she is the main character of the book, but then her her best friend or like her childhood best friend, Matias, is also someone who who plays like a really important part. And like we do hear his voice kind of closer to the end of the book and I suppose sort of like the main story the main conflict of the book is them kind of like butting heads where she really wants to know what he's been up to like how he's spent like the past 20 years and he's a very kind of private person a very reserved person who just wants to move on like he just wants like a fresh start like he doesn't want to unpick the past kind of you know pick at the scabs and I suppose he kind of parallels the situation of Colombia at the time like post like peace agreements where it's kind of you know obviously it's not like a direct parallel but this idea of sort of like well how do you sort of move on from the past like it's, it's kind of talking about it constantly like is that actually like a healthy thing to do but at the same time obviously like burying things and not having things come out into the open either like that has consequences as well and she's you know, she comes from a, a relatively wealthy background and she's obviously grown up abroad so there's various reasons why she might look like a, a privileged outsider to the mm-hmm. locals but also as the book goes on and, and both about this but also obviously um about you know the gradual revelations about about Matty we're not going to give too much away about the story but let's just I guess summarize a little bit in that we start to realize that she's she's a lot more troubled than she at first seems. Yeah, and like in terms of her background, like that was definitely something I I thought about a lot because sort of um, my first book, which was a collection of short stories, The Lucky Ones, like that also kind of dealt with, you know, a group of like, I guess of what you would call like the Colombian upper class of kind of like, you know, people with with drivers who go to, to private schools where, you know, like you speak English or like French and so forth. So 
Yeah. And I mean, like that was, I mean, maybe I shouldn't say this, but that was something that the people who kind of like criticized my work for where they were like, oh, like it just kind of focuses on like rich people. And then I was just kind of like, well, I think I'll just like do that again. Cause like, it's still something I'm interested in like writing about sort of like people who kind of like occupy this different part of society, I suppose. It's kind of like elite, um, this elite part. So yeah, so maybe that was like a bit like cheeky of me. I've sort of like moved on from that and like that kind of attitude of just like, well, like people are kind of telling me not to do this. So like, I'm just going to go ahead and do this anyway and like write this character that I think a lot of people will be like annoyed by just because like I want to be like a bit provocative. So yeah, I, pro- I probably like showed my hands like too much there. But anyway, that was like definitely something um, that also seems a bit of an unfair criticism of the lucky ones, which uses the the sort of the focus of the school to look at lots of different characters from you know from different strata of life. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like I think like I've met some people who you know like me, like who aren't Colombian, but it's like they have like a connection with the country, and you know they'll kind of like want to write about Colombia, but they'll want to make it these kind of like issue novels which is like fine right so they'll kind of like ventriloquize like through the voice of like someone kind of like very different from them you know like a character you know who's kind of like growing up in the barrio right and that was something like I didn't want to do like I didn't feel comfortable doing that I was like I'm not going to like you know kind of like ventriloquize through the voice of like someone that was just something like I didn't feel comfortable doing and something that I I didn't want to do. And I I think it's like really interesting that some of the books that I really like, like one book that I thought was really interesting was Lost Children Archive by Valeria Luiselli about the kind of like child migrant crisis in like Central America. And so that book, people were also like, oh, like why is this book talking about migration from the perspective like of this couple who are getting divorced, like going on this like road trip. But I actually thought that was like a much more honest and like interesting way to like discuss the issue right anyway so that's like a bit of a tangent um but but yeah I mean that was something else that that I was thinking about because like early on like with the anthill like I did sort of have chapters that were like from the perspective of like different people like from the community like mothers or like children kind of like people in the local area um but then first of all I was like oh this is kind of coming off as like a bit too similar to the lucky ones like I've already kind of done that sort of like many different voices like I think I just want to focus on two characters you mentioned that later in the book, it becomes sort of apparent that, that Matty is narrating parts of it. But um, we also see the narration of, well, the, the perspectives of, of Lena from, you know, both first and third person. And I wanted to talk about that change of perspectives that happens from the first to the second part of the book. I mean, I think like initially that wasn't something that I did very consciously. I think like a lot of writers, well, not like heavy writers, but I think some people like when they draft, they kind of just like see what comes out. Like you just kind of like trust your initial instinct. And then it's when you go back and edit, like that's when you sort of start asking yourself questions of just like, well, why did I choose to do it this way? Like what kind of purpose does this have in the book? And by having the novel written in the style where like at first you know the opening chapter is in in the second person and then in the subsequent chapters like Lena isn't referred to by name like she's referred to as the new volunteer and in the third section she does start going by by Lena in terms of like my instinct it just felt like this is a decision that makes sense because you know like this is sort of how the character 
it's feeling or how she thinks of herself, right? Like, it's like with the second person, like that creates kind of like a convenience distance. Like you're sort of watching yourself from afar, you're disoriented. And so that's sort of, is a suitable way of like how you might feel when you've suddenly like arrived in this, in your home country where you haven't been for 20 years. And then, you know, she's a person who, she isn't really sure who she is. Like she sort of feels very uncertain and she has this identity of like, yes, I'm the new volunteer. And yeah, so I think kind of writing that way of like, referring to her in those different ways it, w- it was just a decision that just made sense to me I just I sort of just trusted my gut and like trusted my instinct in using it and tell us something about Matty as well then yeah and so he is you know sort of a simple way of describing him would be like Lena's like childhood friend but I mean calling him like her brother would also be accurate because they they lived together they grew up together they were very close and you know the kind of like revelation of like the backstory of sort of like how that dynamic came about about like how he came to live with her family is you know kind of a key moment in the book so so yeah we're not going to give that that. yeah you'll you'll have to read it to find (laughs) out but yeah tantalizing revelation but yeah and I mean I think it's really interesting because sometimes I feel like when people read the book like people think Lena is the character who's sort of the stand-in for me and I can understand that because you know like me like she studied literature though technically you know I studied like creative writing but yeah so we both sort of have like an academic background you know we're both like the same gender but like really like Maddie is the character who I feel like he resembles me more because I think sort of like his struggles is just kind of like his like his kind of like desire for like privacy and sort of like also the way he he really wants to help people right and like that's an instinct I recognize in myself too just sort of like oh yeah like this is sort of the way that I can make myself kind of useful to people by playing that sort of like helper role and so you know that's why he's founded the Ant Hill which is like the the community center where a lot of the book takes place where it has like after school programs for kids and kind of um community meals and so that was I sort of worked in that like field of work for like a long time. Like I worked in like, you know, nonprofits and like education, like community work. And for a long time, I thought that that was going to be the field that, you know, I wanted to work in, you know, like I was raised Catholic. And so like, I had this like idea of just like service or whatever, but then I was like, I'm going to be selfish and I'm going to be like a writer and work primarily like for myself. So that's, that's what I'm doing now. But yeah, that's sort of like who he kind of like represents to me as a character, I suppose. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to Little Adams. I'm Neil Denny. Today I'm talking to Julianne Pacheco, and we're talking about her new novel, her debut novel, The Ant Hill. And Julianne, you just raised what the titular Ant Hill is. It's a it's a community centre that's been set up by Matty. And as you said, you, you used to volunteer in a in a similar establishment for a while. And I just wanted to talk a bit more about that. Just tell us some more about what that was like. Yeah, I mean, I didn't so much volunteer in a place similar to the ant hole like what I did do for a long time was I um helped run um they were called like experiential learning programs so the idea was it was usually like high school students or kind of like church congregations like the idea was that you know you spend like a week working or volunteering somewhere and you kind of learn about like a particular issue so you know kind of like in Portland Oregon which is where I lived for a while like it would be like homelessness and then I did like a lot of work like in the U.S border region um never in Colombia though so that sort of is is fictional but but yeah so obviously that was something I always had in the back of my mind of wanting to write about because like first of all I thought that would be like a good setting for a book because it's like you know like a community like after school program that's just like a place where like a lot of people go so you know you would have like the parents like the kids um the volunteers like the staff so I thought that could be a good setting for a novel and then I was just also like interested in this idea I don't even know if it's that present in the book anymore it, it might have been just like an idea I was like interested in initially but I don't know if it was sort of an idea that ended up remaining in the book but but I was like interested in this idea of, of, of service and like what service means you know like whether it actually does mean you can like help someone or is it just like selfish or just kind of like helping yourself and then you know the sort of like uncomfortable feelings that I had sometimes in the job of just kind of like white saviorism or like these weird creepy kind of colonial tones you know that was something that that I thought about obviously for like a long time yeah but I mean it's like I don't know like how present any of those like are in the book I suppose it's like a backdrop and like readers can just kind of take 
from it, like what, what they want, I suppose. Well, that's, I mean, this, this is definitely there, the sort of white saviorism in the, you know, toted through the um, the other volunteer characters at the Antill, yeah. the, the Welsh girl in particular, I'm, I'm thinking of here. And, the, you know, this idea of like volunteering somewhere in the developing world as a sort of form of personal growth, almost, you know, a good sort of like Instagram opportunities, but, yeah. you know, somehow doing something that you, you feel is good, but that the locals might not necessarily actually see in the same way yeah the whole like volunteerism thing and you know I mean in the book like there's like a part where like a church group comes and then like when they're departing you sort of see like that the children are like are sad to see them go I don't know I mean for a lot of those programs like quite frankly speaking it's like it's useful to have volunteers because especially if like the volunteers like pay like a fee, then that goes towards helping sustain like a lot of really important, useful programs and services, like services for the community, you know? So it's like, I hope I'm not coming off on like, like I'm on a soapbox or whatever. It's just like, I'm trying to like give this like really critical message, like against those kind of programs. Cause I've seen like those programs, like those kinds of programs, like do like really helpful things. But yeah, but then obviously there's like this flip, side to it and I mean like especially in Colombia like sort of like the personal feeling for me of you know going back there now is sort of like when I was growing up there you know like you wouldn't really see tourists and so then like going back there now like especially visiting my sister whose husband is from Medellin so she's lived in Medellin for the past like 11 years you know just like the way it's changed in like the past 10 years is is shocking to me you know and so that was like something that I I wanted to like explore like with my own sort of feelings of like wow like so like now Colombia is becoming this kind of like trendy place for people to go whereas like when I was growing up that was not the attitude towards it right so that was obviously sort of like a personal feeling that I was like trying to figure out and trying to explore and I still don't think I have any sort of like definitive answers about it I think like fiction is sort of more of a place where like you're not you're not giving a lecture or like you're not providing like an assertive answer at least like in my opinion to me it's kind of more about just like exploring questions and like posing questions and to what extent I mean obviously clearly you know the current situation is better than there being a civil war but um to what extent has sort of tourism brought gentrification to the extent that it's affecting the local population in the way that it, you know, it has in other sort of other big cities that have seen people pushed out of, of their own areas by gentrification? Yeah, I mean, again, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not an expert, like, I don't live in Colombia mm. anymore. So I couldn't, you know, answer that with sort of, like, strong authority you know but I mean like things like Ubers being there instead of like local taxis like I think that's kind of strange. You mentioned that I mean it's pushed more in the US as a novel with horror elements and you use uh, sort of elements of the, of the supernatural here. Lena is you know she's a, um, a postgraduate in gothic literature and um, you use sort of elements of the supernatural I guess as a way of sort of exploring how we deal with trauma both on a personal level and and on a national level as, as the mm. country. So tell me something about sort of incorporating those elements into the story. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that those sort of horror overtones of that horror influence like mainly came from the fact that a lot of the books that I just 
really love or that I was reading at the time were, you know, books by, like there was one author in, in particular, like Mariana Enriquez, who wrote this book, Things We Lost in the Fire, which is, is short stories. Um, she just had another book. I think it was recently like shortlisted for the International Booker Prize. Um, but a lot of her work is very like sort of explicitly engaging with like horror or like she she's like really influenced by like Lovecraft as well and so I thought the way that she did that sort of like used like H.P. Lovecraft style to like write about like Argentina's past like I I thought that was really interesting um another Argentinian author like Samantha Schweblin um this Bolivian author Liliana Kalanzi and then also just like for fun like for my own pleasure you know I was reading people like M.R. James like Robert Aikman like what I really like about horror is just you know and I think a lot of people would say this is just there's something just very cathartic about that feeling it can give you like I really love it when like books make me feel something like if I feel like an emotion if I'm like turning the pages and I feel kind of sick but it's interesting because I'm really not someone who I don't like enjoy violence. Like I can't really like watch violent movies, but I suppose like I am interested in like suspense and tension or, you know, kind of like disturbing scenes, disturbing imagery. Because again, it's, it's about having that hook and like having that engagement, like in yourself as a writer and like in yourself, you know, in, in readers as well. So I think that's where um, the presence of horror emerge in the book like simply because like that like at the time like that was the kind of work like I was I was reading at the time. And having already published a collection of short stories what was it like to then transition to to a novel? Um it was hard it was different yeah I mean I've actually um you know I've been trying to write like another book for like the past year and so part of me was just kind of like how did I do that you know it's like there was like this interview with Keith Ridgway the Irish writer in the New Yorker where he like described like looking at a book you've written where you're like looking back on like a car wreck you were in like a, a traffic accident and you're just kind of like what happened like you know things were flying all over the, all over the place like I went through the windshield and I think that's a really good way to think about like writing a novel where I just look at it. I'm just kind of like, how did I do that? Like, I'm actually like really impressed with myself. So yeah, it was, it was different. Like, yeah, I think writing a novel, I think it's a lot more about like endurance, depending on the kind of like novel you're writing. Like you do sort of have to think more about the structure of the story, like the arc. Like, I don't want to sound like a screenwriter, but, but yeah, but like with the lucky ones, like you're sort of working on, you know, with, with the short story collection or like a linked collection, you can sort of work on like one chapter at a time because it's sort of like its own self-contained universe. Whereas with the novel, it's like much more, it felt like much more grueling to me. I enjoyed it, but you know, it was, I'm really impressed with people who just consistently write novels all the time. I think it's, it's yeah <laughs> it was different yeah I'll sum it up like it was it was it's def writing a novel is definitely different from writing a, a short story collection to finish it off then can I get you to read us a bit of course so I think I will read from the section where it's Lena's first day volunteering at the Ant Hill so it's her first day as a a volunteer so it's just sort of the it's also the first time that the the readers get to be at the anthill as well it's the faded pink building down the road from the grocery store an hour by bus from the metro cable stop telephone wires cross the sky chickens cluck from a nearby balcony a dog with enormous testicles flees uphill 1 p.m here they come chattering busily streaming through the propped open door 
ponytails bouncing, shirts untucked, and speckled with dust from tosideta and detotito chips. Some are in school uniforms, white socks pulled up to their knees. Most are in shorts and flimsy flip-flops, thin vest straps verging on uneasily inappropriate. Sweaters are tied tight over belly buttons or draped over shoulders. They're never that many, and the majority are regulars. The new volunteers, first day. Hello, what's your name? Donaldo. Hello, Donaldo. Nice to meet you. And yours? Hello, Julian. Nice to meet you, Dulce. Margarita. What a beautiful name. No running, please. What's your name? Sorry, Becca? Bettina? Sorry, Bettina. Sorry, sorry. Thank you for standing in line, Dulce. Five minutes in, and she's sweating. The Anhill has been running after-school programs in this neighborhood for over three years now. Is that right? Is Matias ever going to give her an introductory tour of the premises? 1 p.m. to 3.30, five days a week. The children arrive by foot, mainly from local neighborhood schools, sometimes further. They hitch rides with uncles and brothers on the backs of motorbikes. They weave through traffic jams of stalled cars and honking trucks. They hop over puddles and stroll past piles of cement blocks and ladders propped against unfinished buildings, homes that look more like construction sites. The anthill children, arriving. They come with crusty nostrils and reddish-purple bruises under their eyeballs, U-shaped scratches on their foreheads and cheekbones. They come with lips split open from Lord knows what, grandmother smacking them, wrestling matches in the schoolyard. After barely 10 minutes, the new volunteer is already taken aback by the consistent presence of injuries. The cut open knuckles, the beetle-shaped scabs, eyes so swollen they can only peer out at the world through thin, dark slits. So I've been talking to Julianne Pacheco. We've been talking about her debut novel, The Ant Hill, which is out in the UK from Faber and Faber. Julianne, thank you so much for taking the time to share it with me. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This episode of Little Atoms was produced and presented by me, Neil Denny, edited by Sky Redman, and was first broadcast on Resonance 104.4 FM. Little Atoms is supported by 89up and hosted by Acast. If you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, rate us on iTunes, and even tell a friend. Thanks for listening.